namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami <coughs> So um, I wanted to tell, speak a little bit about impermanence and also about the five subjects of frequent recollection which we have been chanting before the sitting. Um, and I think, you know, when I was hearing those five subjects for the first time, I found them pretty grim, actually, and, and somehow, you know, not used to, um, you know, thinking about these things, because it, our culture doesn't encourage it, and, or maybe, you know, we would, our culture looks looks at that as a, as a morbid thing to to consider, whereas uh, for all the three Buddhist schools, uh, considering those five points and you know, is considered a, is is a very important uh, way of turning the mind around from always not looking outside to look inside and to to just retraining our, our process of perceiving life and perceiving, you know, um, what is important and, and what is not important. And so we can say in one way that the whole teaching of the Buddha is all geared, geared towards retraining our, the way we're perceiving life because our sense organs, they give us uh, a certain information about out, what's out there, so to say, which, which is not really um, the way it is. Because our, our sense organs, uh, con- you know, they see solidity and they see um, separate entities where there is actually in reality no solidity there. But because you know, the arising and ceasing of uh, phenomena is so rapid, our sense organ can't, can't see it. Our eyes can't see it. And therefore, as long as you know, we, we don't um, have any uh, teaching on this, it doesn't occur to us, really. And there's, you know, modern science has been finding with very, you know, specialized instruments, modern science can, can uh, prove that actually there's no solidity there with, with very um, powerful instruments. But as, as we all know, you know, the scientists are not enlightened. Even they have seen, you know, that there's really no, no solid matter out there and in here but it's all a constantly changing uh, process, uh, vibrations, actually. But still, why are they not enlightened then? 
it's because you know they haven't been applying this insight to their own body and mind. That's why. Because if you if you see you look with a microscope at this bell, for example, and you see it's actually it's actually a process and not not a thing. That's that's not enough. We have to experience that within ourselves, so that the the wealth of delusion, you know, drop away only through experience. And you know, a retreat like this is is a is a way where we can bring this um, information, you know, which the Buddha has been uh, in a very very pragmatic way. He has been trying, you know, to point it out how we can, uh, within our own body and mind, um, experience, uh, for example, impermanence. And the five subjects of frequent recollection, they are like the perfect starting point, you know, for turning the mind around and... uh, looking at uh, the way things really are. And, and the first one is, I think I'm of the nature to sicken, I guess, to age. Mm-hmm, yeah. For example, this is, this is a, a sentence which is totally forbidden, I think, in our culture, isn't it? <laughs> so if, you know, if you are showing any signs of aging means you haven't been buying the right things. <laughs> and so it's, it's really amazing, you know, how, how a kind of counterproductive uh, a culture can be, really. And, you know, we have to kind of start all over again if we really want to understand you know what what's really going on we have to just completely turn a lot of the things we have been learning completely around and and this is uh, not an easy thing to do so having a, a situation like this is very conducive to you know, to have a protected environment so we can, we can start, you know, turning the mind around, basically. And that means, you know, through, for example, sitting in meditation and uh, becoming aware of the body breathing, you know, becoming aware of this ever-changing process of in-breath, out-breath, and in-breath and out-breath. This this way of um, you know training the mind to be able to to discern beginnings and endings this is the this is the way how we can slowly slowly gear up towards seeing things we normally can't see and it sounds very um, it sounds kind of you know it's, it's not something which one uh, would easily find out by oneself because it's so simple but at the same time it's it's so far away from what we normally are thinking about so you know if if we over over you know uh, 
long time. Take the trouble you know, to sit just observing the body breathing in and breathing out. We slowly, you know, sensitize our our mind in a different way. We we slowly, you know, recondition our a process of, of perceiving things. And then slowly, slowly it creeps on it creeps into our um, way of how we are seeing the world. And it becomes like, it becomes second nature, it becomes uh, part of our being. And it all starts with first hearing it from somebody. And often it's, actually it starts with, with a loss, you know, in our own life, somebody in our own lives who is close to us dies, or we become very ill, or some kind of a you know, traumatic experience. And then we, we feel like we'd like to understand. So we, we find a teaching, and then we listen to somebody who knows a little bit more than we do. And that's, that's the beginning, but then we have to bring it uh, into our own experience. And through bringing it in our own experience, it, uh, through repetition, it becomes part of our, of our own uh, life, of our own being. And then, for example, we start to notice uh, things you know, we didn't notice before. For example, then, you know, if we hear of somebody who has, like we heard this this uh, evening, you know, about Ellen, who who has had an operation today because he has has cancer. Then, when, when we hear that, we immediately recognize, you know, that could be us. It's not just somebody else always. Whereas, you know, if we if we don't start, if we don't reflect on this, then we. It just goes in here and goes out there, and it just, you know, there's no wisdom and no compassion, obviously, if we don't really, uh, you know, always bring it back to our own experience. It can happen, can, can happen to us any moment, and, and it's a very good idea to prepare ourselves by paying attention to what is happening around us and what is happening within ourselves. And, you know, in the monastery, it's, it's, this is a reflection we, we do quite frequently. And In the Tibetan tradition, for example, these this, um, reflections are called the, the there's four reflections, and they're called the four mind turnings, and they are considered the preliminary practices which get the mind ready, you know, to get the mind, uh, make the mind willing to look at things, it, to get interested in, in, in things it normally isn't interested in, because it normally prefers to stay on the, on the surface and like skip from one thing to the next and not go into the, into the depths. And then through the 
you know, through the heaviness of these reflections, because they are kind of the chalk demand out of habitual patterns, because it's it's uh, it's scary, and that's why you know, as long as as we haven't had any. Uh, shocking or traumatic experience in our lives, we very rarely find, you know, we very rarely come to a place like this because there has been, uh, you know, there's no interest, basically. And, and somehow, you know, that can, can all sound quite negative, but Actually, you know, it is a it is a great blessing to to wake up and to you know have a, have a interest to look really deeper. And you know, this morning also we were, we were doing a chanting, which is it's also called you know a, a, refle- a recollection to arouse a sense of urgency. For example, you know, when, when we constantly overwhelmed by the hindrances, for example, then you know, reflecting in this way can arouse a sense of urgency and uh, you know, can arouse like a, uh, enough interest to, to just stay with uh, unpleasant feelings where we normally would just, you know, rather prefer to just distract ourselves and, you know, go, go for a walk, have a cup of tea, eat something, just do anything, just not, uh, not staying with what is happening. But if we reflect on those uh, different, you know, themes which are part of the human condition, then... you know, the mind starts to get truly interested. So in, instead, you know, understanding this as a morbid uh, thing to think about, it, we, can, we can see it, it's actually a support for practice. And, you know, the Buddha himself, as Ajahnana Bodhi said the day before yesterday, he has been growing up in a very privileged way he was a prince and his father was you know very protective of him because he did not want him to um, become an ascetic so he tried to you know control his life situation and not um, allow you know any of those things we have been uh, um, recollecting into his you know into his uh, field of perception, there were no sick people around him, there were no old people around him, and there were no, no death, nothing. Everything was only beautiful and lovely and, and wonderful. And one day he you know, escaped from the palace and, and he, he went to, to town and he saw what's called in the, in the scriptures, the four heavenly messengers. And, and the first one was a, a 
sick person. He saw a, on the side of the road, he saw a sick person lying and not very beautiful to see. And then he, he drove on he, with his charioteer and then he saw a, um, an old person you know, walking on a stick and looking really um, very frail and very... something he had never seen before. And, and then he saw a, a, a corpse. And because he had never seen those three sides before, he was kind of speaking to his charity and was saying, you know, will this happen to me as well? Or is this only happen to other people? And then he said, oh, this happens to everybody. Everybody who is born gets sick and gets old and, and will die one day. This is just the way it is. And this was a big shock to him. And, and he just could not forget these sides. And he just would, wanted to understand, you know, why is this happening to what is going on here? So, not not long after that, he he decided that he would leave. You know, his privileged life that he really wanted to know, and he he also saw a fourth side actually, which was a a wandering ascetic who who looked very you know composed and calm, and who obviously did know something he himself didn't know, so he got very interested. And then, you know, he left he left the palace, he shaved his head and he went out to seek out different teachers. And so the beginning of his uh, you know path was was the recognition of impermanence. And that was like the key opening the path. And, you know, all of us, you know, we can, impermanence, we can see it all around us every moment and also within our body. So, you know, it's something too easy to, to notice in our lives if we just pay attention to it. And because, you know, our sense organs are not able to to really perceive the constant arising and ceasing of uh, of our own bodies or of of many things we are you know, we are looking at. We can, for example, when we look at a river, we can see you know the water is constantly flowing. But if a person you know has a bath in the river, we can't see that that person is actually same as as this river, constantly changing. So in order to be able to perceive that, we have to you know, bring it into our own experience in, in meditation. And you know, impermanence or anicca in the in the teaching of the Buddha, it's it's considered the first of the of the three characteristics of life. So impermanence or anicca is the Pali word for it. So and once we we 
kind of familiarize ourselves with impermanence to a certain degree, then it you know it's not far fetched to to understand that everything which is impermanent is unsatisfactory because you know we can't control impermanent processes. They are just what they are and they are unstable and they're unsatisfactory and we can't rely on them. That's the, the second characteristic of life. In a Pali language that's called dukkha and I'm sure you've heard that word a lot. And it has, you know, very often been translated as suffering, but actually the, the word unsatisfactory is, is much closer to its real meaning. The, the word dukkha, you know, consists of two parts. Du is, uh, is a Sanskrit word and it means it is the, um, the hole in the middle of a, of a wheel where the axle is inserted and, and ka means unstable or, or difficult. So what it means is it, it all points towards disharmony and um, you know that, that something is shaky basically. So that it is constantly changing, it's, it's, it's not to be relied upon. And you know, what Dukkha, you know, it's, it's, it's basically the instability of, of all conditioned phenomena. If we rely on them, if we attach to them, we are bound to suffer. So the suffering is not inherent in in all things, but as soon as we attach to things, then they turn into suffering because they are unstable, because they are constantly changing. And then that leads to the third characteristic, which is uh, called in the Pali language anatta, and it's often translated as non-self. Or we can also say, you know, that all, all conditioned phenomena which are constantly changing and which are unsatisfactory, we can't possess them. We can't make them, you know, we can't call them me or mine because they are beyond our control. So, and if we, you know, if we bring, if we hear those concepts for the first time, they kind of, you know, we, we barely understand them maybe and you know, we start to reflect on them and start to you know, get an intellectual understanding and that's the beginning of it. But then we have to really bring it into our own experience in the meditation. And, and through you know, repeating that to bring it our own experience, it becomes, it becomes very slowly but surely becomes second nature and then you know, we start to discern arisings and ceasings more and more in our lives. 
we, we pay attention more, you know, for example, very simple things like how the light is changing, you know, now it's dark, before it was light. And we start to, and when we go in nature, we can see, we, we don't, we don't only see, you know, the, the beautiful flowers, but we also see the, the flowers which have been, you know, we are, which are wilting. We see things, you know, we, we didn't see before. And we start to get a more rounded picture of, of life. We, we don't see only the, the so-called beautiful things, but we see, we see the, more the cycles. And that's, yeah, that's a, a sign, you know, that our perceptions start to, to become more um, comprehensive. We, we, we start to see the bigger picture. We're just not anymore so, you know, fooled by things which are pleasing. But we, we start to uh, have a more realistic picture. And, you know, it's, it starts to, the mind starts to become bigger and is able to, to see more. And, and we, you know, there's increasing ability to, to step back from experience and not be so totally identified with what we like or what we don't like. To always, you know, see everything only in relationship to me and mine. What, what does this do for me or what does this not do for me? But to see it in a, in a much bigger context. So the... You know, the simple sitting with breathing in and breathing out has this effect over time. It just brings us in touch, you know, with a more realistic uh, perception of, of life. And this is kind of amazing that a simple process like observing the breathing can have such an effect. So, and when we reflect, you know, on experience in that way, we can see, you know, what is considered, uh, you know, in a superficial way, what is considered like a bad thing, can turn out to be a very good thing. Because, you know, if we are not uh, stopping, you know, if we just, for example, if we just cut out little sections of experience. It's, it's, very, it's a very limited way of looking at experience and we, and we can you know, very easily judge this, you know, this suits me and this doesn't suit me. But if we see, see things in a bigger context, we, we start to become aware that, uh, you know, things like if 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 life isn't going the way we want it to be, that this is actually uh, 
uh, exactly what we sometimes need in order to, to wake up. You know, once we can uh, appreciate that, our whole life starts to, uh, you know, have very different priorities. And, and I think that's why, you know, those perceptions I was speaking about, what the Buddha saw when he was going to town for the first time, when he left his, his protected environment where everything was, you know, just going the way... Uh, his father thought was a good thing, that this was for him, you know, the beginning of a, of a, of a total new life and, and those sights he saw, they were called heavenly messengers. So this, you know, heavenly messengers... And you know when I'm when I'm thinking about uh, this word heavenly messengers, I, I also wanna just bring that back, you know, to the the situation, you know, we find ourselves in uh, the environmental situation now. You know, we, more and more people we are becoming aware, you know, what a you know increasingly. Um, difficult situation we, we create on this planet through the way how we live. And you know, different um, things are happening, like increasing um, earthquakes and, and things, you know, we, we don't want to experience because it's it's very scary but we can also you know see these situations as heavenly messengers and really take in what is happening and and really uh, turn towards it rather turn away from it and the training of meditation is is uh, I think it's the only way how we can prepare our minds to to you know to be willing to open up to that which is hard to to bear so i i'd like to just say you know that don't underestimate what you're doing here by by coming here and you know, offering five days of your of your life where you could do so many other things coming here and uh, you know, applying your your mind to 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 look at life in a way most people are not interested to do. So just you know, make much of uh, the fact that that you have been. You know, c- 
have enough clarity to, to have the right priorities. It's very inspiring. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.